0: So you wanna watch a movie but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have affected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's Dartboard Movie Night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put twenty movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. This week, we are covering the 2008 Swedish vampire film, Let the Right One In, directed by Thomas Alfredson. This uh, was my choice to go on the board. I'm pretty stoked that we hit it. A this Drew is, Clarky. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're get, I'm getting another number up on the board, so happy about that. Uh, this was slotted in at number 16 on the board, uh, for those tracking the board. But uh, yeah, I believe I am now at 13 movies that we've covered. So still king of the mountain, still but king. I
1: had a I had a good push for the throne for a little while there, and I'm still I'm still heel nipping. What's mine at? Do you have my number in front? You here? are at
0: nine and a half, my friend.
1: So so thirteen to nine and a half. It's close. It's pretty close, and and it was a landslide for a while there, as we've talked about in the past. But good to have a Drew choice, though we hadn't had one in a little bit. Felt like anyway, and an interesting movie. I think it's going to be fun to talk about. So as Drew mentioned, we got Let the Right One In, the 2008 movie, currently available on Hulu. I'm also seeing it here on Sling TV, Fubo TV, Amazon Prime, all available uh, just with subscription. So it should be pretty easy to, to track down. But one thing we want to be clear is, so we're talking about the 2008 Swedish version. There is a 2010 English-speaking version that was made called Let Me In. A 2010 one, so.
0: Yeah, directed by Matt Reeves, which I've heard is also very good. Um, not quite on this movie's level, uh, by all accounts, but, you know, as far as remakes go, I, I believe uh, the overall opinion is that it's one of the better ones. But yeah. that being said, that is not what we are covering this week. Uh, we really wanted to make you guys read this week.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I almost didn't, by the way. When I started playing the Blu-ray, it had dubbing and I didn't know for the first couple minutes because it's a pretty quiet opening to this movie. Mm-hmm. And then the dubbing started, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, I had to, like, <laughs> and it was bad dubbing. And I had to like go back and be like, nope, nope. Uh, Swedish language, English subtitles. I there got go. there.
0: It sounded so much better. Is, is that your general opinion on dubbing, or is that just spe- specific to this dub?
1: It is my general opinion on dubbing is I don't like it, on, with the exception Of Jackie Chan movies where Jackie Chan is actually doing the voice. Those don't bother me. I think it may be because I grew up with them and I had a lot of of older Jackie Chan movies that I saw in that way. So I'm kind of used to that. But overall, I'm pretty anti-dubbing. But this one also particularly was bad because it was like some of the first dialogue was like the bullies kind of messing around and it's just like oh god is this an adult doing a kid's voice or it's just it just sounded like shit so i just bailed yeah uh and was happy to have the option of watching it with just yeah
0: thank god that you didn't just have a dvd that was stuck in dub mode
1: yeah i mean i would think that pretty much all directors when it gets to casting and things like that a huge component of the decision is the sound of the person's voice so like when you get when you get into a dubbed scenario and it's not the way the person sounds,
0: it's it, it it's something about it feels a little sticky to me. I don't I don't like it. It's very interesting you say that because the girl who plays uh, Ely in the in the film, the vampire, twelve uh, mm-hmm. year old girl, uh, who's also two hundred years old, um, <laughs> she is actually dubbed in this movie in this Swedish really? version. That is not her voice. Whoa. When okay, she was well, that's she was into. cast for her physicality and for, you know, her general look and and I she apparently had a higher pitch voice than than the woman who eventually voiced it. But yeah, it's uh I don't know, it's just funny that you say that and I mean re, the reality is one of the main characters was dubbed.
1: Well, that's one where they pull, totally pulled the wool over my eyes because that was a really good dubbing. I it's had great no dubbing. idea. Yeah. It and I mean, obviously A good portion of the time she's speaking, I'm reading, so it's not like I'm like really closely watching her lips as they move. But I had no inclination that she was dubbed. Whereas something like Putney Swope, you can kind of tell. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this one was like, oh, this is this is a really clean fit. I had no clue.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I. I want to say that there might also be some aspect of the fact that we don't know the language playing into that. We didn't pick yeah. up the, the dub, but I I'm don't sure. know. Uh, I'd be interested to see if, uh, if, you know, Swedes <laughs> watching this uh, felt that way, <laughs> but yeah, really yeah. cool. Anyway, uh, let's, let's dig in here. I, uh, I first kind of want to just kick off. I wanted to talk maybe just about vampire movies in general, because mm. it's such a big part of film history, you know, from Nosferatu on and this is our first vampire movie on the show if i if i'm correct it
1: is yes it is all
0: right yeah let's talk about vampire movie canon what are your favorites of all time
1: i will i'll start with this and i didn't give you a clue about this but this is where i'm going to start this movie i think kind of cemented it for me where i was like you know what i don't think i like vampires that much it, like uh
0: I don't wait is this foreshadowing your opinion on this movie potentially Ooh. potentially Ooh, we'll get it we'll, we'll so get in shat. there okay.
1: uh, you know we'll get into it when we get into it but i I kind of realized I've never been a huge fan of vampire movies when I really break it down there's a bunch that people really like that I don't care for mm. and I don't think it has anything to do with the films themselves I think it's like, oh I don't really like this sort of horror trope Hmm. I'm not really into I don't know I'm not putting it into words well but there are are
0: you speaking specifically about like vampire lore like the mythology of it you don't you don't find interesting
1: yeah like there's there's something about all of the different rules and how all these things that kind of come along I'm like I just and the whole like sucking blood and there's also there's this like there's a sort of like uh, erotic sort of seductive angle and things like that it's like I'm just not super into it. I, but that, that said, there are several vampire movies that I do like a lot. So well, I'll hold just... on. Let's,
0: I, I want to back up. I, I don't want to move off of this too quickly cool, because cool, cool. I'm fascinated by this take.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It sounds to me you are having the same aversion to vampire movies that you have to musicals. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah. Vampire movies are, you, I mean, you mentioned they're fucking horny you know, that like mm-hmm. the horniest movie genre by a mile. Yeah. Um, they're very often over the top theatrical mm-hmm. and they're very often um, they're just, they're big, earnest, weird fucking movies, yes. generally speaking. And when I think about that, you know, I think about movies like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola's film from uh, 1992, I want to say. Mm. Uh, I think, Fucking love that movie because of its overt theatricality and its its willingness to just go, you know? And um, get big. It's big. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. big, bombastic filmmaking. And like it's the same way I feel about Moulin Rouge, which we covered on this show. Mm-hmm. And you have such a strong aversion to, to that movie. I gotta believe it's it's coming from the same place. Do you think? I th-
1: I think you might be onto something. I think there is sort of a link between. You know, there's an operatic nature to to vampires generally. And mm-hmm. speaking when they're more the sophisticated type, because there are certainly vampire tropes and films that go towards more of like the ravenous type of like beast sort of things. Mm. Um, if you think of, you know, recently Midnight Mass, the Netflix show sure. is kind of a vampire story that has and a lot I think tap into this trope space where like at a certain point the vampire becomes more beastly and is no longer a somewhat civilized creature and I'm thinking spoiler alert for that show by the way but the kind of the vampire that is the progenitor of the story in a lot of ways is like a demon like creature that doesn't seem to have any sort of uh, moral. Battle or anything like that—they've just gone into the more Pure the animal, animal instinct, exactly. Um, and and those type of of vampires, I think, are a little more interesting to me. And I think it might go towards what you're talking about, where I don't really care for the uh, the bigger operatic things. You know, another movie I saw recently for the first time was Interview with a Vampire, and which I, I really also didn't... love. <laughs> yeah, you love it. I really didn't care for it, and I think it is just the the whole, like, the bigness of it. I think that really is a big component.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. Well, okay, so give me the ones that you are into, then. Okay. So the first one I'll mention
1: is Thirst. So Thirst is a Park Chan-wook film, South Korean movie, which is something Drew and I both have seen and both liked a lot. And I knew going into it it was going to be a vampire movie, I mean, the poster and the name alone kind of makes it pretty obvious, but it really goes in this kind of interesting space of playing with uh, religion and morals and lust. And and again, a lot of vampire movies go into these spaces, but something about it really worked for me. Um, It's among the lower tier of Park Chan-wook movies for me personally, but that's not that's like saying that's my least favorite Tarantino movie. You know, they're all really, really good. But that one, that was one I really, really dug, and that came out before this, right? Thirst came out
0: uh, actually the year after this. Oh,
1: interesting. And then one that's maybe a little sillier answer in terms of vampire movies that I liked is the Blade movies. Sure, I really dug those. Valid answer. Fun '90s action movies. Um, I I saw a bit of the first one recently. Yeah, and it. I will say it. it, I think. I think it was holding up pretty Mm -hmm. decently. And I remember loving the third one when it came out. I was kind of early high school, I think. So that just seemed like the coolest thing. Who is this guy? Ryan Reynolds. I think I saw him in Waiting, you know, and like Jessica Beale was in it and stuff like that. But it was just a co- just cool, fun action movies. And that was one sort of trope space I hadn't seen explored a lot in vampire mythos of like a half-breed. Someone like Wesley Snipes' character, who is half human, half vampire, and all that stuff, I thought was really cool. Always thought Chris Christopherson was a badass in those movies, and so, so those would be the ones that I liked. And then Twenty Eight Days of Night is that what it's called? That's not it, is it?
0: Uh, is that Thirty Days of Night? Yeah, it is the the one the horror movie with Josh Hartnett, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thirty days a night, Josh Hartnett horror flick. Yeah, I think that's a David Slade movie. Uh, who yeah, he he ended up actually directing a Twilight movie after that. <laughs> which oh is god, really funny.
1: Um, I think that 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 one was really premise based for me in my enjoyment. I was like, oh, that is a great idea for a vampire movie. Like, yeah. Uh, northern alaska where it's like you get night for 30 days that would be a great sort of like feasting zone for vampires so it's like that's a that was a cool premise but not it's a little particularly bit like, it's like movie. the
0: thing with vampires is the vibe i got from uh, yeah from the trailers i never saw uh, it but
1: yeah isolated remote cold um and under siege but but yeah so i would say those are mo- the thirst and Blade are the ones that I've liked. Most of the others I've seen, I've not liked. Well, Where I mean, it,
0: me? I mean, you're true to form in that, like, the movies you're naming are ones that don't totally adhere to vampire mythos. You know, mm-hmm. that I guess that's kind of what I like about vampire movies is when they adhere to these really weird fucking rules that were designed by some, you know, by Bram Stoker, I guess, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 1800s when he wrote Dracula. I I may have my dates wrong on that. I have no fucking idea when he wrote Dracula. Point Wait's being, back. point Wait's being, back. it's it, well. Look, I mean, it's interesting to me because I, I think vampires in some ways are like the original superheroes, right? In terms of comic mm. book superheroes, where like yeah. the lore was was part of it, and like it, it's like a crucial component. And and when you have like vampire nerds, like people who love this shit and devour it they want it to stick to those rules the same way that like a you know the comic book nerd wants the suit represented properly on screen when they make mm-hmm. a superhero movie dude i think you make
1: a great point that i had never really noticed they are like the original superheroes and supervillains and they you can see that modern day superhero telling has borrowed a lot from this idea of like how vampires are constructed and what mm-hmm. i mean by that is like vampires have certain limitations they generally are really strong, really powerful. They're exactly. immortal, yeah. but they have these various specific weaknesses. And if you look at, they have to be invited
0: it, in the door. They have yeah, to, they
1: can't know. be in sunlight. They've got yeah. issues with wooden stakes and garlic and things like that. Um, and you look at a superhero, like say Superman. You know, he's got kryptonite. That's a specific weakness. Every almost every superhero has a specific Achilles heel, and that's vital to. Um that's vital to superhero movies, I think, because mm-hmm. you can't have someone who's just too powerful, all powerful. There needs to be some sort of weakness. Mm-hmm. And you're right, vampires kind of created a lot of that structure in a way, of like of like, oh yeah, they're incredibly dangerous and incredibly powerful, but they do have these specific weaknesses. I will say too, From Dusk Till Dawn is another vampire movie that I love. That movie's <laughs> nice badass. <laughs>
0: yeah I wasn't as big a fan personally but I get the appeal of that movie for sure
1: so you mentioned that Dracula movie
0: um you mentioned briefly
1: you you really dig Interview with a Vampire
0: I do I'm a big fan
1: yeah I like I said didn't really care for it. what are some of the things that just work for you just, is it that bigness we were talking about
0: or that movie yeah it, it's I mean dude the sets and the the lighting and the you know like Tom Cruise dialed up to eleven. Um, he is
1: so he is going so big. He's in that
0: so movie. good in that movie, dude. Oh my god. It's one of my favorite of his. Uh in terms of his performances. I love that fucking movie. Um yeah. the only problem I really have with it is that uh Brad Pitt's phoning it in from fucking Mars. Uh yeah. <laughs> outside of that, the movie rules. Yeah, I got to
1: say I'm not a huge fan of long-haired Brad Pitt. Yeah, I, I think like he he
0: he kind of has that attitude of like the cool kid who has to like hang out with the theater nerds for <laughs> a day. Um that's kind of the energy he's bringing into that movie. It's it's weird because he he's so earnest and fun like later in his career, but like that period for whatever reason he just yeah, was not a good performance. But uh if anyone hasn't watched that movie in a while, uh it's worth a revisit cuz I think like you don't get movies made like that today, Mm. you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and it it totally dovetails into the point you kind of made to start it. Speaking generally, you really enjoy, uh, you're more inclined to enjoy big swings and and going for bigness, and I'm more inclined to not enjoy those aspects. Um, So it makes sense that you're more, generally more into vampire movies than myself, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned. But that said, um, I do want to say, in my opinion, Let the Right One In is not going super big, uh, which which I did find refreshing. But it still holds to all
0: that mythos that we were talking
1: about. Oh, very tightly, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get into it. But now we know how we feel about vampires. Let's talk about more specifically this movie, Let the Right One In. So this was, as mentioned, a Drew Clark choice. So I'll start with the traditional question, Drew. How'd this get on the board?
0: I've been aware of this movie since my freshman year of college when it came out, um, or I guess it would have been my sophomore year, uh, but it was right when I was really, really getting into movies, and um, this was a movie that got a lot of attention. I, I'm, tr- I'm blanking on what festivals it was at that year, but, I, I, I mean, it just got a, a ton of attention right out of the gates, um, especially on, like, the film blogs that I was following at the time because it's like, you know, anytime you get, like, elevated genre stuff, like this uh i think it really excites kind of the the film nerd culture and um so i was i've been aware of this movie forever and just i had never gotten to it for whatever reason um i think probably early on i was a little averse to uh subtitles like because i it was pulling me away from like taking in the filmmaking aspect which is what i was really interested in at the time so i didn't watch a lot of subtitled stuff back then And yeah, it's just a movie that I've always heard is great and I love vampire movies and I thought it was a great opportunity to get something, uh, both a little off the beaten path, uh, at least from like, in terms of like pop culture, like it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not a movie that I feel like many people would stumble upon unless they're aware of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, in that sense, it was like, it's a little off the beaten path. Uh, it's foreign language. I I like, I've never seen a Swedish film before. So I was excited to, to you know kind of just get something a little more diverse onto the board.
1: I think it was a really, really good choice. We haven't really hit a ton of European films yet. We don't really have a ton on the board either. I, I'm the same with you. I've never sweet, seen a Swedish film before. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. And there are vampire movies that I do like. Like I've said, I generally am kind of down overall on the mythos of the creature itself, but there have been plenty of great ones. So I'm really glad that you put it on the board. And I think it's going to make for a really interesting discussion. And I was in kind of a very unique place with this movie where, or unique for me, I'd never heard of it. And I was going to be watching this on like a Friday night or something, and, and I had a group group text going with some Atlanta friends, wide array of film fandom in that group. Some people just kind of casually like movies. Some people really love them and are voracious like you and I are. So people were asking like, oh, yeah, what's the movie? What are you going to watch tonight? And I was going to see if people wanted to come over and watch it with me. It's like ah, some movie called Let the Right One In. And I was so surprised how many people were like, "Ooh, that's really good. And how many of my friends had seen this. Like uh, several, several people, and I was like, "Whoa, I guess this movie really made a big impact the time it came out. So my mm-hmm. buddy John came over, I watched it with my uh, roommate Bridget as well. She actually wrote a paper on this movie in college. So oh, I was wow. watching it. <laughs> I was watching two people I was watching it with two people who had already seen it and knew it really well. So it was kind of a fun first viewing experience, but I don't know. Uh, If you had a chance to mention to anyone in your personal life that you were watching this and if you had any sort of similar reaction, but it, I was surprised. Normally, when I throw something out there that I'm watching this week, no one has like any idea what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about, especially with something like Putney Swope or you know, various things. I'll say something like mother, and some of my film geek friends will be like, Oh, yeah, 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 you know, they'll get that, but the layman is not going to know about mother, you know.
0: No, that's interesting. I mean, maybe more, maybe more of the population has seen this movie than we think, but um, it definitely made a big impact at the time. I mean, it certainly made enough impact uh, that they made the remake. They made Let Me In. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was yeah, I mean, it it got fast-tracked as soon as this movie came out. I mean, I remember that being a big deal.
1: First impressions. How'd you feel about this movie?
0: I fucking loved it, dude. Um, I think it's a great movie. It's, not perfect i have you know my own kind of quibbles with it but i think overall i i just i really enjoy the way that this movie just takes its time to unfold everything it wants to do i love the pace of it i love the camera work i mean it's just a gorgeous movie to look at and we're gonna have to spend some time talking about Hoyt Van Hoytema uh here at some point because he's an, a true master uh working right now but yeah, beautiful movie. I, I I found the the relationship between the the vampire girl Ely and Oscar, the bullied boy, in, in school, I, I really found their their relationship touching, and I, I enjoyed watching that develop. And meanwhile, like it, it, I found it really compelling watching this girl, the the tragedy of this girl just fighting to survive, basically. Um, I don't know. I, I found it to be a really beautiful movie overall in like almost every aspect. What was yeah. your read on it?
1: It's difficult to say in some ways. I, I felt a little indifferent towards it.
0: Okay.
1: I thought there were parts of it I, I really liked and really dug. Completely agree with you. I think visually it's a gorgeous movie. It's really very well shot. Uh, great color palette. Great. just Just amazing to look at. And there were certain performances I really liked, other performances I didn't. Hmm. I had sort of a different reaction. The sort of the the patient and slow way the movie unfolds, for me, felt a little too slow, which is somewhat uncommon for me. Hmm. I I really don't mind movies that take their time and go the long way. Would you say
0: that this dragged at points for you? I don't know.
1: I, I, I guess maybe dragged because I did have that feeling of like, okay. Like that's the next thing. But I think that that sort of draggy feeling or feeling of not anxiety, but wanting the movie to kick it up a bit and move a bit faster was due to there being components of this movie that that I really was struggling with. I was like, I'm not I'm not having this or this part of it. So so if I if I liked the more cohesive whole or had kind of less individual issues with it, I think I wouldn't have felt that sort of. Let's go mentality. So yeah, again, I I don't I wouldn't say I like hated it. It was nothing like that. Mm. But I would say it's on the underside of my levels of enthusiasm for movies we've talked about on the show so far. Um, you know, it's not Sling Blade territory. It's sure. certainly not Moulin Rouge territory or anything like that. Um, and we'll get into the specifics of the things I did like too. But there were just issues. Or it's just like this isn't really working. That's not really working. And at the end of it, I was like, I think that was. I think I found that a little dull. Like, I think I found it a little a little too slow, which again is surprising because I do like patient films, but...
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's in some ways that's just Thomas Alfredson's style as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the other films that he's made, I'm not familiar with his early work in Sweden before this movie. Um, it looks like he directed a bunch of TV in the, the 90s and early 2000s. Um, he did like a, a couple of... 6 to or 4 to 8 episode series um where this he, is
1: sorry does it appear to be swedish
0: television it looks like it yeah, yeah. i'm i'm assuming this is all made in sweden um he made a it looks like his first feature film uh potentially I, I i may have this wrong but uh and we should also say this is going to be a horrible butchering of, of oh. names on this episode
1: <laughs> this is going to be a classic dartboard movie night, pronunciation stumble fest. <laughs> like it's going to be, we're we're so bad at this. We'll do our best, but you know, it's just our stupidity that might get in the way.
0: Yeah. Uh, we we plead ignorance uh, on this yeah. one, but uh, the first feature film it looks like was called Contour Steed, Con- I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then he did in 2004, Four Shades of Brown. Uh <laughs> interesting
1: these he, so far these film titles sounds like a documentary now episode I like know. or like just like like classic sort of artistic sounding movie names. he's also got, got like Shades six different Brown.
0: tv movies on his credits maybe uh, he's got like eight of them actually between 1999 wow. and 2005 he's got like eight different tv movies it looks like maybe they were all part of a series or something you know kind of <laughs> like the uh, the pusher trilogy or like uh, mm-hmm. uh red riding trilogy and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. um seems like that's kind of maybe what that is and then he did a 24 episode tv series in 2004 as well or 2005 that's uh, called cool. end december drum end december
1: drama
0: end december drum
1: okay <laughs> my favorite that's my attempt far anyway four shades of brown that is just i'm is so i was like what does that mean i'm so intrigued but I, this has
0: been a long way of me getting around to the fact that uh this guy's style is uh slower paced and that's evidenced by the films he made after this which are tinker taylor soldier spy Ooh. in uh, 2011 and uh he did the snowman in 2017 which i <laughs> want to talk about <laughs> uh are you familiar with the snowman
1: I don't think so. I will briefly say I do like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy quite a bit, but it makes sense. I didn't know he made that. You saying his slower pace makes yes, sense, but yes. but no, I, I don't know good. shit about The Snowman, I don't think. What's, what's the, the deal snowman
0: with that The Snowman is a movie that Thomas Alfredson went over schedule and over budget on during filming, and they failed to shoot crucial scenes within that time frame and the studio literally cut their funding and shut down the set. So they wow. that movie is literally unfinished. And it's a big movie with like starring Michael Fassbender and uh, Rebecca Ferguson and like it's it's a it was you know positioned to be like that studio's Oscar contender for that year and mm-hmm. it is a disaster. Oh, so they they released
1: it unfinished. Oh, they didn't yeah. Keep it like, oh my. They tried God. to piece
0: it together as best <laughs> they could. Um, yeah, it's it's apparently brutal. But anyway, w- w- long way of saying his style is this slower paced, you know, drawn out. He he really just like lets scenes breathe and lets the the you know the viewer just kind of drink in what what he's you know doing in, in that frame. And it's uh, I find that really compelling as a style. Mm.
1: Yeah, it, it it makes sense. You know, it's no surprise that we're such good friends because uh, when I was rewatching it today, I was thinking like, yeah, like I mentioned, I'm indifferent to it, uh, kind of. Like it's, eh. but I was like, I bet Drew's gonna really like this movie because it is such a visual movie. It's it's really giving a lot of information through shots, shot styles. It is very, um, oftentimes anyway, very breathy and open and it's so beautiful so there is a lot to like about this movie but i did have the thought it's like i bet drew's really gonna dig this even though it's not really my style which is a nice flip from last week with repo man
0: which i just like
1: <laughs> adored and was on my knees in front of that and movie. i was like was i just don't like, eh, get it don't, i'm not into it i i, I it's kind of similar to that but yeah. um but yeah yeah uh, cool I, I do enjoy Patient storytelling. So I think it's cool that he kinda of went that route, even though it didn't for me work perfectly. Yeah,
0: totally. I, I yeah. It sounds like you're you're appreciating the craft, if not uh oh, for loving sure. the the product.
1: And this this film can stand to have a a, a few detractors like myself. Because it is so no. so many people love this movie. All my friends who mentioned that had seen it Consensus were like, Oh, that movie's lame. great. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, we don't need that. But so um, I always like to say, though, I I mean, just imagine if Like, I never want to bash like uh, really artists really going for it. Like this movie definitely has a lot, a lot, a lot good to it.
0: But I just I I, I can't imagine not being compelled by a movie in which a woman is attacked by a plethora of cats and and tackled down the stairs like that. That's the greatest thing I've seen (laughs) in a movie in a long time.
1: Well, let me just ask you right there: Was that scene
0: not supposed to be funny? No, it's. A, I think it's. I took it as really fucking funny. Like I thought it was yeah, trying okay. to be that. I I didn't think that that was accidental.
1: I took it as hilarious, and I was like, I don't there's know. There's some that was... really
0: dark comedy in this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah that that cat scene and everything
0: like... involving the the cat man, like the the neighbor, like he's he's a comic persona to me in that movie yeah
1: i mean because it, it really amplifies the idea of a quote-unquote cat person we all know that trope too in addition to vampire tropes but it's like oh you know cat lady cat guy whatever and the person who just has way too many cats but i've never seen in a movie that's really playing it pretty straight i, th- I would say the mm-hmm. story when they cut into his room for the first time and there are i don't know 15 cats something like that just milling around and and it's like, holy shit! That is so. <laughs> there's so many cats. That's great. Uh, okay, so I'm glad to hear that that scene maybe was supposed to be played for laughs, where she's getting attacked it has by the to cats, be, right? Because and and I will say this too. I was that a known vampire trope to you that cats can sense them and no, don't like them? No, I don't. Them? I don't know if I knew
0: that one. Yeah, I,
1: I was. I wasn't familiar with that before. And then when, like, when Ellie is first. There's a scene of her in a store or something with Oscar, and there's a cat like in a box that's like hissing at her. So they they do drop hints in the movie that it's at least part
0: of the lore of this specific story. Sure, yeah, but yeah, it I might, had never it might heard be that just one. this movie, but I don't know. Yeah, um, you said you weren't a huge fan of this movie, so let's kind of dig into your direct complaints. What are some scenes that you have problems with?
1: Well, there's, there's there's kind of several things, right? One of them is. The character, I think he's known as like Pop-Pop. That's how Ellie refers to him. You know, sort of the caretaker of Ellie the vampire. This person who was kind of going out and trying to harvest blood on her behalf and keep things on the DL and all this stuff. I really wish we had more explanation of kind of like how they met and how he started working for her. See,
0: it's interesting. You had more of like a father-daughter interpretation. I took it differently Um, I took that guy to be kind of her familiar, Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways where he is like her minion or, you know, that she sends out, you know, to, to fetch her blood essentially. And like, you know, that it's all under the promise that he will be turned into a vampire one day. Um, cause that's the, that's the concept of a familiar. It's like a servant that you have promised eternity to at some point. Mm -hmm.
1: I think that is what it was. Because I, he, I think she just calls him pop up just as out of a thing. But they, well, have they have to, to
0: pose of, as a father daughter.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wish we'd gotten a little more information about how they came together. And also, he was so bad at his responsibilities. I just did not understand.
0: I will say on the first watch was chosen. On the first watch, I found all of his scenes early on extremely, like, tension-filled and, and, you know, really, like, gripping to watch. But, yeah, on second viewing, you're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. He's so stupid. Like, we could just start running down the list. Like, the first
1: time, he tries to get blood for her. In the woods, he gasses that person, strings him up. Really horrifying scene. And a really kind of effective, cool scene. But, like, the dog comes, he flees without taking the blood, which is crazy. It wouldn't have taken him more time to gr- to grab the jug, really. And if anything, he's leaving more evidence behind. He takes off through the snow, leaving footprints, which he doesn't have. That's not him being dumb. He has no other option. But, which leads me to another question of, like, what the fuck are the police doing in this movie? Where are they? Well, How are they so bad, also? I kind of think
0: that I chalk that up a little bit to being a Scandinavian country where not a lot of crime happens.
1: I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, I guess it was set in the 80s where I guess Sweden was it was described as being half under the Iron Curtain. So I don't really know what that means entirely. But an argument could be made that I don't know. But also I hear a lot of, of Soviet countries at that time had very increased police presences. So I, I, I'm just, I don't know. That was just something I was very confused by. But anyway, he takes off through the snow, forgets the blood. Then we see him on a train or something, like heading back after failing. And he still has his, like his lab coat, his like clear coat that has blood on it, is just out in the open next to him on the train. And he has to like kind of try to hide it. So then I'm just like, who, what is this guy? See, this guy it's is funny, that, that
0: one bothered me less than the second one where he actually does one. get caught because the second one, like, did you do zero reconnaissance on this? Did you see, not see that this person was with a group before you, you got yeah. him and there would be a chance of that group returning for him? Like there was yeah. no thought put into it whatsoever. And why
1: the hell did he take the flashlight out? After the lights went off. And he's just by the window. Yeah, with and he a just keeps light. the
0: flashlight shown on the guy yeah. like who's hanging there. <laughs> like it's so he's so stupid. Here's the evidence. It's, and then he can't even kill himself right. He fucking just yeah. burns half his face and <laughs> like he it, does that wrong. Which too. is brutal. And I love the makeup work in that.
1: That was great. The the makeup work of him in the hospital afterwards was, yeah. was awesome. So but that he just made so many errors that I'm like, well, what is this person's specialty? Like why? Why? Like how did they again? How did they come together? Because he's clearly
0: not good at this. No, like he's he's Arguably kind of a shit the show. only smart decision he makes is is disfiguring his face. <laughs> yeah, and even and that, that might like, not even be intentional. He might have been trying to kill himself.
1: Yeah, he just he was so stupid. And then again, like when he's getting rid of the body, so. He fails the first time to get Ellie what she needs, and she has to go hunting, and she kills that first person under the bridge and twists that neck around. Like, mm-hmm. cool scene, dark scene. Love that scene. And then he, like, takes the body down to the, the part in the, on a sled to the part in the pond or the lake or whatever that has an opening in the ice and tries to get rid of the body. Like does nothing to try to weigh the body down or any of that stuff. And I'm just like, how is this person, if he is this vampires, what's the term again? A person familiar, for, like, familiar. Like how is he so bad at some of these things that would be sort of basic for the position to be a, a, like desirable hire, quote unquote, or a desirable familiar. Like he's just so hapless. And also and then even, who the yeah. fuck,
0: who the fuck are you to then instruct the girl to not see the kid? Like, She's not yeah. the one fucking up everything like you yeah. are, dude.
1: Yeah, he's been blowing it from like one stage to the next, and then right before the second attempt to harvest blood that we were talking about, when it's in like the locker room of the gym or wherever the fuck it is, like he's scouting it just like standing in the window like a creep, like so obvious. And I'm like, what? This guy is such a moron. I just like it was too far for me to to be a believable that she would want to be associated with this person. He was so blundery.
0: I think if you're going to be, if you're not going to be generous to this movie, you could see a little bit of that being style over substance where he's choosing things that look interesting and, and provide, you know, interesting tension and, and, you know, you know, just like, like it's being done for the end result as opposed to, like doing the work to make that make sense. Um, I don't know. Does that does that make sense? That, that
1: makes sense. He's 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 might be more interested. He might be less interested in covering plot holes and, well, and not yeah. dealing with that sort of and stuff.
0: And I think like the perfect example is the scene you just brought up, which is like him staring at the the you know kids through the gym, uh, like yeah. like through the window of the gym. Like that shot is beautiful like yeah. it's so perfectly lit like the the way that he is like this just you know kind of ghost in the window is so fucking cool yeah um, i mean it
1: it looks it looks awesome and it's awesome, like this really sure. slow
0: tracking shot to the left to to reveal mm-hmm. him and it's like oh, just i love there. that shit but but to your point it's like dude's fucking obvious as shit like what are you doing
1: <laughs> yeah this is like oh yeah you're you're going to get made dude do you think no one's going to see like Oh, this creepy dude in the window who was right. sitting there for minutes staring at everyone, and then all of a sudden someone goes missing. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's it's
0: crazy. So that so, so you, you, was that like a, a major problem that you had? Did that pull you out of the experience, um, or is that just kind of like a? It was a one of equipment?
1: the elements that I was like not not responding to. Okay. And it was just like, I this. It was just like I'm just not buying this guy being so bad at this. And and again, maybe like if there was some some backstory there. I also want to say too, like I generally don't like people who nitpick plot holes and I don't want to be like, Oh, this is what I would have wanted type of thing.
0: We've had that chat. Yeah. We're not going to be cinema sins here.
1: No, no, we're not trying to to remake the movie. The movie is what it is and is what is it. It was intended to be. But thinking about that shot of where he's like outside of the gym and staring, I would have really kind of loved something like if it was one of those situations where, He can see in, but they can't see out. You know how that can happen. Show that in a reverse. Yeah, like if they if they had like a shot like over his shoulder that saw what he was seeing. Yeah, I guess I'm
0: just not. It doesn't bother me. Like, I I don't like being a slave to logic when it comes to films because I think so often that gets in the way of more interesting filmmaking. Mm-hmm. you know and and so i think in in this case like i can see why you would read it that way and like why it wouldn't work for you but as much as i'm saying like how stupid is this guy yeah. at, it, at the same time it doesn't yeah. bother me in the context of watching the movie i still get great enjoyment out of it
1: yeah and also like if that was the only thing because like it's it like oh dude why are you standing at the window like a creep you're gonna get caught like then it would be e- more easily for me to forgive it, but all of these factors kind of stacking up with this character sure. added up to being like this guy's just too dumb. So that that was one thing that that character. But I will say I really did like his performance, even mm-hmm. though I have
0: problems with great actor. Uh, we the should mention writing. his name. His name is Per Ragnar.
1: Yeah, he was he was great face, very believable, very kind of chilling and creepy. And when he's drinking that milk in like that diner. Where he's with his neighbors and trying to like keep it down. Like that, yeah, that was another one of those things where I was like, ah, you're being a little too cold. I get what you're trying to do here. You do not want to become part of the community because you're trying to be on the fringes. But by being that dismissive, you're kind of sticking out a bit more by being like, I have somewhere I have to be. And just like that's something people would remember. So again, like. Well, look, I mean, the
0: movie does kind of hint at the fact that this is kind of the last stop. In a, a sequence of, you know, it seems like this has happened multiple times where they've gotten caught yes. and needed to run. So, for sure. For sure. Um, clearly, he's like established as not being good at this thing. <laughs> you
1: yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason they're on the lamb,
0: you're saying. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, so, again, that was just one of the things. The other problem I had was I really wasn't into the performance of the actor who played Oscar, which is. Again, classic stumble over the pronunciation, but Care Hedebrandt, something like that. Um, But, and I don't want to bash a, a child actor. Like, they're just, they're doing their thing. But, like, when you have movies that are completely dependent on child actors, it can be kind of a hairy situation. And I wasn't, I just really wasn't buying him. Like, I don't know, he seemed a little stiff beyond the character. I understand this is someone who. Is bullied and is comes from kind of a somewhat difficult upbringing in a lot of ways and and so I get that but the some of the things rangos false outside of those parameters to me and again this is a child actor I'm not looking to kneecap him but I wasn't really into that performance Ellie under on the other hand I thought was fantastic
0: is it Ellie or is it Ely I, I heard it them pronouncing Ely. it Ely in the in the movie yeah
1: yeah I think you're right I think it is Ely yeah um, but Ely played by Lena Leanderson like she was fantastic Incredible and also could see what you mentioned earlier and I didn't know the fact that she was dubbed makes total sense that they chose her for her appearance because she does have that sort of classic vampire kind of look to her not to the point where it's frightening in any way but like the, the, her facial features fit the tropes that we have grown accustomed to in terms of what a vampire might look like. And so she the, so she was great, but I was not really feeling Oscar. What was your problem with the Oscars performance? You, you just thought it was stiff? I I just thought... I just didn't seem like a real person to me.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Kind of felt like like a, a child actor delivering lines. There were times where he broke through and was really good, but for the most part, I was like, uh, he's okay. Um, and then... The, the final thing that really stuck out in the negatives is I really didn't like the score. And I d- really didn't like the way the score mm. was handled. I thought it was a little too heavy-handed. And again, I, I tend to be the type of person who prefers a very light touch with a score for the mm. most part. And I thought a lot of times it was too pronounced, too in the front, a little too sweeping and a little too big and uh, kind of distracting for me. Uh, I wish it was just take it a little more subtly or maybe just even just mixed quieter, which maybe is an issue with the Blu-ray I was watching. Maybe it, it, maybe that's, that's a possibility, but yeah, wasn't into the score and that was kind of, those were kind of the big three of the things that stopped me from loving it.
0: I tend to agree with you on the score. I, I think it didn't bother me on, on first watch, but on rewatch kind of listening to it, 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 yeah, it, it's just kind of, kind of bland. Um, mm-hmm. and I, it's I, a little typical. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that they went with more of kind of like a love theme kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like they, they have a, there's a, you know, romanticism to it. I just think it, it, it's not particularly like, doesn't have a lot of hook or, you know, anything to like grab your, your attention. And if anything, it's, it's a little kind of treacly, you know, in the background. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yep. yep. Just doesn't work for me, but uh, yeah, I'm with you there. And then, I mean, Oscar, I I didn't mind uh, his performance. I, it didn't bother me. Um, it's not on the level of Henry Thomas and E.T. or anything, but right. I, I it didn't d- like distract me at all. Yeah,
1: it didn't pull you out. No, yeah, like for me, I was it it, it knocked me out a little, but I, again, I don't want to say it was like awful, but but I like. I mean, that he's you supposed to
0: be like emotionally distant and 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 very. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who fantasizes about murder. You know, it, it's it's he's got to be a little strange and and inhuman to some extent.
1: That's true. And he is like kind of cutting out those newspaper clippings of all these right. horrible things. He does have a sort of morbid interest.
0: Well, I mean, the fir- the one of his first scenes, he's in the classroom, and the guy says, "Do you know how you identify?" Right. Um, I forget exactly what what the scenario he poses is, but it's something. Oh, there's to no do. smoke in the lungs. Yeah, no, and and that's not a normal thing for yeah. a child to know, you know. for sure.
1: I think that's a really good point, and it does make me want to kind of walk back my criticism a bit because maybe I wasn't really recognizing that some of the awkwardness may have been more on purpose than I was giving it credit for.
0: Maybe yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm being yeah. charitable probably with my interpretation. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a you know amazing performance it, but it it did the job and yeah, again, didn't distract me so And
1: one last thing is a negative is the bullying. I, I kind of had an issue with a lot of that stuff in terms of it not seeming believable to me.
0: Oh, really? And
1: Yeah, like it it just seemed like too much. Maybe that's the way it was in Sweden at the time. I don't know. And maybe I'm just kind of taking my life experiences and, and kind of bringing it into the movie too much. In my life, I've never seen really physical bullying that much. And I thought when it got to the point near the end at the pool scene particularly and like literally threatening to drown someone and cut their eyes out, I don't know how serious that threat was but it looked pretty serious as it was happening it's like that seems a little too extreme for me to be believable like that that bullying can get to that extreme of like mutilation and maiming and risking a drowning was just like to me a bit too much and I think the movie's trying to say something about like people who are silent accomplices but don't want to be involved in the bill on the bullying like we get a lot of the friends in the background who are clearly uncomfortable with what's happening but they're not standing up and defending this person and they're just kind of like involved and in silent observers to a way so i think the movie's trying to say something about that but for me the bullying was a little too much to be believable
0: yeah i mean yeah didn't work for you i i think the movie is operating in extremes a little bit more than maybe you're giving it credit yeah. for in my opinion like that might be. i think like the movie is taking to heart that it is a genre movie at you know at its core mm-hmm. And it's 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 adding this like veneer of of you know this art house you know beautifully put together movie, which I think it still is, but I think it's got this tongue in cheekness to it that that you know I don't think is totally overt uh, on first viewing. Yeah. Um, and part of that to me is those bullies being you know cartoonishly evil. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't I I don't know if you're meant to think that that's necessarily like the average bullying, I think you are supposed to take it as this is a fucking extreme bullying scenario. Yeah. And this kid is a sociopath and his older brother is even fucking crazier. Like, yeah. I think that's more what this is. I don't think it's trying to be like an accurate reflection of, of you know, some, some you know, real world scenario.
1: Yeah, I think maybe I risked just taking this movie a bit too literally. I think so, because like, yeah. it's
0: the cat thing too, right? Like, it's yeah, the, yeah. the, you know... No, and I don't I don't remember if you thought that that worked for you or not, but like I
1: thought it was I thought it was funny, but I didn't know if the movie wanted it to be funny. but
0: see, that's my thing is like I think it is. I think it I think it is like it's got a sly wit to it that maybe isn't like totally obvious. um, uh, but i I totally see it in this movie. And I mean, like, look, like the movie fucking ends with her completely dismembering those bullies. Like it is not meant to be like, like, we're supposed to hate those those kids, you know? And to, to earn that ending, you kind of have to go to the extreme.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it really ties back to how we started this conversation in terms of how it is a little bit kind of like a musical. So it makes sense that I really wasn't vibing with this movie as much as you were and totally. maybe again I was being too sitting there being like well that doesn't make sense and then maybe the movie's trying to be like it's not supposed to make sense yeah. it's a vampire movie it's a fantasy movie at its core with this romance twist a horror fantasy romance i guess and um yeah maybe maybe i would have viewed it a bit more differently if i was a little more
0: less hung up on some of the deets you know well and look i don't want to invalidate your opinion because i think i think it's a totally valid take and and you know not every movie is made for every person and like i said earlier like consensus is fucking boring um but you know yeah i think i think there's a more charitable way to to look at some of this stuff uh that maybe you know like like i was with cable hogue maybe you just just weren't in the right headspace for it at the time or something
1: definitely possible. And I will say that uh when we get to it there was a lot of stuff I did like about this movie. I wasn't fully down, but I no, wanted totally. to hit it. I mean, those we'll, things. and, yeah, and yeah. I think
0: let like we can definitely get into some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of want to talk about this stuff we you know, we you were mentioning Oscar and and the relationship between the the you know, the two kids uh or one kid and whatever and she one is. ancient um, ancient diamond. <laughs> but <laughs> like I want to talk about this movie as like It's an outcast movie, right? And I think that's something that I naturally gravitate towards. I like movies and TV shows about people on the fringes of society or, you know, that have been kind of, like, overlooked, you know? Uh, I'm thinking of, like, Freaks and Geeks is maybe my all-time favorite television show. And it's all about digging into what it's like to be in that oppressed situation you know to to feel oppressed by your environment and have no way out of it and and it's really important that this movie is like concerning a kid at its core because this kid is like there, there's nowhere for him to go he's trapped in this school with these these bullies um and two weirdos finding each other and like being able to like find some common you know understanding i don't know i just i find that that so compelling what what are your what are your thoughts on stuff like that
1: it's, it's such a great sort of structure for a story of just like people, like you're saying, who are ostracized or on the outsides looking in, being able to find each other and and make some sort of connection to help each other get by.
0: You know what this and movie kind of reminds me of in that way? Punch Drunk Love.
1: Yeah, totally. It's Yeah, I can see that big time. It's a, it's a romance movie about two weirdos who are... More or less, I mean, Adam Sandler
0: seems we're to be the bullied stranger, by too. everyone around. Well, well, she yeah. in, in Emily Watson's character in Punch Drunk Love is less of this, but but specifically yeah. Adam Sandler's character is just like beaten down by literally everyone yeah. in his life. Yeah. Um, Abs- yeah, yeah, I think that's a
1: really good comparison. And as we're talking about these sort of outcast story structure types of things, another example that came to my mind was Of Mice and Men. Sure, kind of as a, sort of like a classic American you know, short story, novel type thing about, you know, two people on the outside. I mean, that one's a tragedy for sure, but it's, it has this sort of like this funny pairings of two odd ducks that can help each other get by. And I do, I do really think that is good stuff. I really like the punch truck Love.
0: Also similar punch-truck. color palette actually as well. Yeah. 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 But yeah, uh, the,
1: the blues and the reds,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like something about those movies, it, it just, I mean, it speaks to me. I, 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 you know, sometimes have feelings like, you know, of being, you know, that way. You know, I, oh yeah, we all feel like, yeah, outsiders. absolutely. It's a very relatable feeling. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I really love art that allows people like that to find happiness, you know, yes. in whatever yes. way that is.
1: It's also kind of not self-affirming, but it's like, it's, it's, it warms the heart to see strangeness accepted. Even in a movie like this, that is playing in some really dark territory about a vampire who's like hunting people down and all this stuff, there is still something where, like, we want to see people being accepted for who they are. And a lot of these outcast movies, I think, play in that space. And that's yeah. one of the things that make them kind of pull on the heartstrings. a lot of people and for me too
0: well when i brought up the punch drunk glove connection and the look of that movie i kind of want to circle back to hoyt van Hoytema real quick i mentioned him briefly at the top of the episode but hoyt van Hoytema is a name to know if you are at all interested in cinematography and the look of a film because this Mm -hmm. guy is putting out some of the most beautiful films i've ever seen um so to to give you his background after after this movie he definitely he worked again with uh thomas alfredson on tinker Mm taylor but he also did the fighter her interstellar specter dunkirk ad astra Tenet, and he's the director of photography on the upcoming jordan peele film nope which, holy shit dude he th- think about how beautiful all of those movies are Her you know, did, especially is maybe my favorite looking movie of all time
1: yeah when you said Her that was the one I was like ooh but that that whole list is full of oohs and I had no idea that he was that prolific
0: when he's you, Christopher Nolan's go to guy at this point
1: that's that's high honor too Dunkirk is a fucking amazing beautiful Unreal. movie yeah and I heard he just shouldered a 70-mil camera for that. like Because people, people talked about the production nightmares of dealing with a camera that large. And I remember seeing Chris Nolan in an interview talking about, like, we never thought it was possible to just kind of, like cowboy up he didn't say that because that's an american idiom but you know just deal with it and throw it over your shoulder and just work through it but i, would I guess love he's to hear big...
0: chris nolan say cowboy up," yeah
1: that would be great but i guess he had he just has the body type to just be able to have i don't know how heavy that camera is. he it's looks like a,
0: a stocky guy he looks like yeah. he's got some some uh beef on him which uh yeah. probably helps with that but yeah no he's also shooting the upcoming uh chris nolan movie oppenheimer which i am fucking excited for I might try to go in fresh on that. I you don't know ca- shit about it. You kind of can't because of the name.
1: I don't know anything about it other okay. than like a, f- a, a a rhyming fable, but I don't know Can what I it tell means.
0: you some of the people in it? No. You no. know it's an all-star cast though for Of course, for I'm sure it will be. Yeah, yeah
1: but I'm I think I'm going to try to bury my head in the sand on this one. Oh, wow. well, I will ask you this. Does it have a release date yet? Do we know when it might be? Next year. Like? Okay. I'm going I'm going for now I'm going to try to avoid. But okay. we'll see. I, mean, I might break
0: down. Anyway, um, Hoyt Van Hoytema is just incredible, and this movie looks just as brilliant as all those ones I just listed. I mean, the the way that he uses uh, the lighting with the snow and Ooh. the the way it kind of like, you know, when like snow kind of sparkles in the sun a little bit, like in the light, he uses that effect uh, a lot in the and just it creates this atmosphere to this movie that is like, like it's 99 degrees right now in denver literally i'm looking at my my you know smart watch here and it says 99 degrees on it and i watched this movie and i had to put a blanket on
1: yeah it does you do really feel the biting cold in this film and 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 it is so gorgeous i completely agree with you especially like The opening shot of this movie, which is just the title sequence, but the flurries just falling on like half the screen. Mm -hmm. Right away, I was like, okay, this is a good looking movie already. Gorgeous and kind of intoxicating visually. The color palette, as you alluded to, of just like the way the reds kind of hit and just like it's really, really beautiful. That was very high up the list of the things I really dug about this flick. Was its visual style? It's gorgeous, gorgeous movie, and mm-hmm. amazing that he has done so much great work outside of this. I did; I was not familiar with his name, and I'm shocked by his resume.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I think this movie you could watch on mute, and you would still have a great time because it's like that yeah. beautiful. Um, yeah. yeah, huge fan, huge fan of Hoi Fan gorgeous. Do we want to just roll through some? I mean, you, you kind of said that you wanted to hit some of the, the things you actually really liked about it. I think yeah. like, let's just dig into some of our favorite scenes and kind of talk through them.
1: Mentioned Ely. That was definitely a high point was her performance. And a lot of the adult actors uh, really liked the kind of the gang that was the, of neighbors drinking at that sort of cafe. I thought they were all really strong particularly the actor who played Virginia, the character who gets mauled by the cats and gets bitten by Ely and kind of starts turning into a vampire.
0: Yeah, and then self-immolates by opening the window.
1: Yeah, that was, I think, my favorite story beat, was her kind of slipping into the vampire thing, and I was like, oh, well, here we go. We're getting into this chapter of the contagion spreading, so to speak. But it went in such an unexpected turn. Like, when she gets Brought to the psych ward after getting attacked by the cats, after being invited in, it's like, oh, that's totally what would happen, because it just would seem like madness, absolute madness. And then when her character makes that turn of choosing to go to sacrifice herself because she doesn't want to live in this way anymore, uh, that was so unexpected to me. It's shot in a really cool way where she's got the leather strap that's keeping her hand to the bed, and the doctor, character, whatever they are, is like takes her hand out of the strap. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, and I would imagine the majority of the audience is thinking, like, oh, here we go. She's going to feast into this guy's neck, and it's going to be on, vampire. But then it just turns with her just asking for the shades to be brought up, knowing obviously fully well what will happen to her in that scenario. It's like, that was... Really unexpected, surprising, really well shot, sad, and just really effective. The and, shot and so, of
0: those flames whipping up like onto the ceiling it, was one yeah. of the wildest things I've seen in a while.
1: Yeah, that was it. That was a, a beautiful and terrifying scene. Uh, so that whole arc, I really, really dug. Even though I did think the cat thing was silly, but as you mentioned, that might have been on purpose. Um, that was really cool.
0: Well, you mentioned Ely a bit. The way that her eyes grow and like the, 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 the effect on their on her eyes when she goes into the feasting mode is, is one of like, I love that effect. It, it's so subtle and you almost don't even pick it up at first, but then you, you're just like something's off about her face and then it registers what they did and you're like, that's clever. I, I love effects like that, the little things.
1: And there were also times where her whole face changes. Sure. Like, remember that scene where he wants to become blood siblings or whatever right. you would call it? And she kind of starts lapping the blood off the floor. and She looks up and she's got this like, uh, almost like a, the face of her real age. You know, just looks like an old kind of crazed vampire. And, and it's just one quick shot. And then she, it, when it cuts back, she looks kind of as we would see her normal again. Mm-hmm. But that was really cool. And when you mentioned the eye thing, right before that, that intentional cut happens that Oscar does. Um, they walk into this dark room and the camera's right on Ely's face and the light hasn't been switched on yet, and we see that little bit of reflection in her eyes, mm-hmm. of like um, you like know you'd see if a, yeah like if a cat is looking at you from across the room they have that sort of reflective nature to their yeah. eyes, deers and things like that. I love so all that was touches. really cool subtle touch. I was like that's just dope. And that, that that was really sweet.
0: I briefly want to just mention, adding on to the fact that this movie has a kind of absurdist bent to it a little bit with like the cat thing mm-hmm. and everything. I think the the uh, I don't know if he's the the PE teacher or like what it, what he <laughs> is, but the the mustached bald guy who yeah, is yeah. doing the water aerobics with him mm-hmm. cracked me up. Like yeah, that to me is like a, a an overtly comedic presence yeah. in the movie.
1: When he is trying to coach through the hop, most hop, hop, chaotic, hop, hop. like indoor soccer I've ever seen, it's like <laughs> leave your space, not too much space, enough space, and there's just like kids running around like a beehive, and just balls flying everywhere. It's like what this guy's just chaos. Yeah, but I found him funny too. Yeah, I've never known much about the whole. Again, vampire movies play in so many different tropes, and they don't all adhere to the same rules. And the one I've never really understood is they need to be invited in. That's one that's not always hmm. done. You know, that's one that's, that's you know, people get very cherry-picky when they're making a vampire movie about which ones they want to adhere to. It's one I've never really understood, and I've never understood the consequences of if a vampire comes in uninvited. So I thought that was a really cool scene where we see, first time I've ever seen it, of what would happen if a vampire came in and was not invited. We see her kind of just starting to bleed and and fall apart uh that was a really dope scene i thought and among one of the things i really liked about it
0: i read an interesting thing on the wikipedia for this movie which is you know in stark contrast to the other week where the wikipedia was woefully under underwritten and underdeveloped (laughs) um the the wikipedia on this movie is actually pretty pretty dense it's got a it's got a good bit of info in there and one of the things uh that they talked about was that thomas alfredson apparently when they made the scene originally when they cut it um there was like a lot more sound effects and stuff going on mm-hmm. and he said it just it it was ruining the tension of the scene and when he removed all of that and he just had it be really quiet and just basically just her you know just vibrating on screen, it worked 10 times better,
1: which I find Uh, really interesting.
0: Less is more, right?
1: Great decision, because I imagine, and I don't know what the sound effects would have been, but imagine if there was like this sort of creaking, crackling, popping noises as her body's going through this really negative reaction. That is, I I think he was spot on. Whatever the sounds may have been, it's so much cleaner, and it's so much, there's so much more tension of just seeing this blood. And we're seeing this stuff, and it's just like, and we, I, I like this character, Ely, you know, even though she is a vampire. So we we don't want to see her going through this. Yeah. And uh, so it was really effective. I think that was a cool choice to get rid of the sound, the sound effects.
0: No, I, I, honestly, I think it might be my favorite scene in the movie. I think one thing that I, we, we didn't really highlight is just I, I really feel like this is a taut, tight script. I, I like the way that this movie is paced out. Um, I, as I said before, I like the, the slow paced nature of, of the filmmaking, but I, but specifically like in the script itself, it's everything comes back like characters, like there are no unimportant characters. Like everyone has, has a, a piece to play or a part to play in the, the ultimate, you know, scheme of the movie. No
1: small roles,
0: no small roles. And, and I think like, I, I really appreciate when a movie doesn't feel like it has any fat on it, you know? And that's how I feel about this one.
1: Well, and to that point, I really liked the little snippets we get into Oscar's home life. They're really, they're really small. They're really subtle. We get a sense that his mom is a bit of like an anxious, kind of helicopter type. Hmm. And then we see his relationship with his father is is not terrible, but not great. And we have that. He's sort more the of, fun
0: dad kind of thing. Yeah, you
1: know? he's the fun dad. He's the fun part-time dad. He's yes. not really invested. I mean, not to say he's not infested, but it's not clear like how much he really puts into this relationship with his son. And we have that strange scene where what appears to be his lover comes over and is just kind of a strange person yeah. and is not very warm to Oscar, and there might be some sort of alcoholism going on. Hmm. Um, so, As I, a child,
0: of divorce, all that stuff rang really true, for, by the way, as well, in terms of like the way your parents kind of uh, kind of get distracted with their own shit you know within the, you know and and you kind of lose out on some of the you know i don't know I, I i think there there's a lot of stuff that definitely resonated in that
1: yeah even though that's not been my experience from just a scene standpoint all that stuff rung really true sure yeah and 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 that's when the movie was going really subtle and i really liked it where I was like, okay, we're getting glimpses behind the curtain, we're not getting the full story, but there's enough here to really understand kind of the environment that Oscar is coming from. And, and I, I, I liked a lot of that stuff. And again, not to vilify the, the the father character. like He doesn't seem like a bad person, just seems flawed like everybody. And uh, I really did like those little peaks.
0: What did you think of the end of this movie? Uh, specifically the the pool scene, the you know, the dismemberment scene. How I I, for, I thought it was beautifully shot and beautifully done. How do you feel about it? Yeah.
1: Despite my issues with whether or not I found the bullying to be believable, I do love that sequence. I also think it's shot incredibly well. Never really seen anything like it. Just the 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 Reverse angle of him underwater when all the carnage is really going on and we get the feet kicking in the pool and we get a, a, a sense of all this mayhem that's going on above him that he's, he's fully unaware of. That was all just
0: really cool. The head flying <sighs> behind him was the best.
1: The head plunking in, the arm That's, that's the first down. time
0: you're like, oh shit, that's actually what's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we hear
0: the noises
1: of some chaos going on, you hear screaming. sort of them, yeah, screaming and some sort of muffled. But then we, when the feet happen, it's like, oh shit, is going down up there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we're kind of cheering for it because, like you said earlier, we really despise a lot of these bully
0: characters. And
1: I mean, everyone wants to they, see the a bully, bully has already threatened
0: and... to kill the kid.
1: Like yeah, so the bully we...
0: has threatened to push him into the ice to like die. Yeah. So, so like, we're, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: the where the accomplices like I'm not sure how I feel about their fates, the ones who are kind of silent observers, didn't do anything to
0: stop. Well, it. the one doesn't get but, harmed. He's still there crying at the end. That's true. The blo- kind of blonde. Yeah. The the one who's actually sort of you you pity him like he yeah. he's the one that she, they actually don't kill.
1: Yeah. 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 You're right. Uh, but That. Yeah. That scene was just I thought fantastic. Really, really striking, stunning. And That's one that'll be with me for a while. It's
0: I don't one know of those it... heart. It's like one of those heart stopper sequences where you're just like the movie, like delivers a punch, and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. You yeah. know, like you don't expect it to go that far with it.
1: And I, I love emotional or even non-emotional underwater scenes. Artistic or otherwise, I, I definitely have a weak spot for him. Thinking just one off the top of my head is like something like in The Descendants. Do you know that movie well? Mm-hmm. I love, love that movie. But when the daughter first gets the news that the mother is, spoiler alert, <laughs> when the daughter first gets the news that the mother is not going to be waking up from a coma and cries underwater in the yeah. pool, it's one of the, it's what, it's, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's That's such a great. great scene. And then even something kind of more metaphorical, like in the movie Snatch, where Brad Pitt almost gets knocked unconscious and they represent it by him falling into water and like before he swims back up to take the person down. So I've always liked that and this scene is definitely joining the ranks of great underwater shots for me. Just definitely. like kid in the pool. I don't know if it'll make my kind of top end of the year for shots. <laughs> it could be into the conversation, but regardless of how it ranks out,
0: awesome, awesome scene definitely um yeah but that's not the the very ending I mean the very end of this movie is is a really lovely little scene on the train yeah. of them you know Morse code tapping through through mm-hmm. the box and it, yeah. it's just it's just a lovely little capper to this this whole thing and like I don't know if you caught it uh they don't put it in the subtitles but apparently like they're Morse coding uh like kiss and like little kiss back to each other like they're just oh, like saying yeah. like they're you know that's expressing really their love between the box it's really cool
1: that is cool. yeah I thought that that scene was really a, a great ending to the movie I was like this is that's that's great. I saw an interview with Thomas Alfredson and he mentioned how there's kind of two ways to take that ending it's either uh, very sweet positive or it's very dark and concerning and he said he views it as sweet and positive I do as well sounds like you took it that way too. <laughs> Um, but he said he he wanted to leave room for an interpretation that's like oh is he just going to become the new blood harvester for her like we've seen that like he has sort of some of these violent tendencies and things like that I, I think it's cool that we both took the sweet side but also awesome that he left the door open to take it in that dark way
0: Yeah absolutely I think it's it's interesting to think about that maybe she's just grooming him to be her yeah. familiar
1: Yeah. And then you kind of wonder if that's what happened to the other familiar, but if because you don't know, we don't really know how. I guess she said she's about two hundred. Is that so? How I old think she's? I
0: think that's what uh, was alluded to. I can't yeah. remember if I just read that online yeah. or if that's what they say in the movie. But yeah.
1: So we really don't know how how old or young the first person was when they met. You know, right. they could have known each other for decades. We don't know. Uh, but uh, but again, if they had known each other for decades, I would think he would be better at this sort of stuff at that point. But. In any event, really cool ending, regardless of how you take it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up here? No,
1: nah, man, I think, I think I'm think i good. I think I hit all the things I wanted to talk about. Okay.
0: Well, that's been our episode then on Let the Right One In. I think it's time to get some uh, something else on the board here. What do you say?
1: For sure, for sure. If I'm not mistaken, it is time for a Drew Clark nomination, is it not?
0: That is correct.
1: Nice, nice. Do you have any contenders? Any things you're throwing around? Or are you confident oh, you got I've one got, locked in?
0: I've got endless contenders, no shortage <laughs> of that. So we've talked in the past about debut movies, specifically when mm-hmm. we we did the episode on Bound, mm-hmm. and I I really like the idea of discovering, like like analyzing the origins of a filmmaker again. This is one that I think I I might have actually mentioned on that episode, but I wanted to I'm I've always been fascinated by Wes Anderson. Mm. He's not my favorite artist. I don't love his style. I don't love his his uh, his movies all the time, but I find him interesting in film history. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm putting Bottle Rocket on the board.
1: Cool. I think that's a really good choice. So
0: you haven't seen it, then? I've never seen Bottle Rocket. This is his debut film from 1996. Also uh, pairing with Bound, uh, very interestingly. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Uh, it stars you know the Wilson brothers, Luke and and Owen. It was written by Owen Wilson and Wes, Wes Anderson together. Uh, and yeah, I'm just I. Uh, there's a story behind this that I'm very interested to dig into. So I'm. I'm that's, that's my choice for this week. We're putting Bottle Rocket on the board at number 16.
1: I think that's a great choice, dude. Great choice.
0: Cool. You ready to throw that dart?
1: I am. I wanted to tell you, though, I'm going to try a different strategy this week. Well, In a hope of doing diversity with the throws, I'm going to go lefty on this one.
0: We'll oh, see shit. if it does anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw lefty. What, are you, so what then, are you hoping for on this throw? Which one are you looking at? I'll, I'll tell you this. I want to hit a number we haven't hit yet. I want to see The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. All these movies I'd be happy to see, but I don't think I've ever seen a Cassavetes movie. I I honestly can't even remember how it got on the board. It's a number we haven't hit. I'm curious about it. So that's one I'm kind of silently cheering for. But as I look at the list... I'd be happy to see any of them.
0: I think I'm really looking forward to uh, number 19 on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I'm craving a Bond movie right now. The so Bond that's what movie. I'm pulling for today.
1: I would like something kind of on the lighter side, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Repo Man was pretty light, but um, I think it would be kind of a nice contrast against this movie, which was, you know, kind of on the heavier side, I would say, and good. Sure. But like uh, that, I, I'd love to see that. And I haven't seen a ton of Bonds. So that would be a cool one, too.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Well, let's run through the list so that everyone has uh, context of what's sitting on the board right now. At number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. At number two, Ex Machina. Number three, The Right Stuff. Number four, The Big Sleep. Number five, Operation Condor. Number six, The Sixth Sense. Number seven, Amadeus. Number eight, The Fifth Element. Number nine, Days of Heaven. Number ten, Big Daddy. Number eleven, Vertigo. Number twelve, The Straight Story. Number thirteen, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Number fourteen, The King of Comedy. Number fifteen, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Number sixteen, Bottle Rocket. Number seventeen, The Blair Witch Project. Number eighteen, The Killing of a chinese bookie number 19 on her majesty's secret service and at number 20 kung boo hustle
1: i'll say the new edition bottle rocket sounds really good at 16 no oh, okay if, if it, if it, i think it fits right in there it'd be a good 20 too that's a good title i like and, it uh, I yeah
0: like yeah, it. All, yeah right, all right well, let's why don't we see. throw that dart
1: sounds good Right, right. I'm happy to report that I hit the board on first throw. Congratulations. Lefty. So that's a, that's, a, that's a win. But the dart has spoken.
0: And what's it got to say this week? 18. You got your wish, my friend. It's the killing of a Chinese book.
1: <laughs> that's great. And an original. That's what I'm most excited about. You an might be a lefty, choice. dude. Maybe. But I wasn't aiming for it. I just going to throw it. I just aimed for the bullseye. It was such a bad toss. To it. it had such a flutter to it and an arc. It was so bad. I am nowhere near ambidextrous. It that's was a amazing. bad throw, but it hit. And we and got an original
0: it, number. Oh, yeah. It got you to exactly what you wanted. That's that's amazing. I love that. I got the video. If people don't believe us, I yeah, got yeah. the video.
1: Let me pull it up and see the availability. So it is The Killing of a Chinese Bookie 1976 drama currently available at the time of recording on HBO Max with subscription and available rentable from a variety of sources, including Apple TV and Amazon Prime Video. So it should be should be able to track it down.
0: Awesome. That's great. Um yeah, and it's it's available on the Criterion collection uh if you cool. get the John Cassavetes box set and it might be available individually as well, but uh my brother for Christmas this past year got me the John Cassavetes uh box set and so I'm staring at a Blu-ray of it on my shelf and very excited <gasps> to dig into it. That's
1: awesome. I was going to ask if you've seen any others. Let's save that for next week.
0: We can save it for next week. I'm I'm not yeah. uh super well versed, but yeah, we'll we'll dig into that next week.
1: Awesome. All right, so next week, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Looking forward to it, man.
0: Awesome. With that, we are going to close out our episode here on Let the Right One In. Uh, I really dug it. Jared was a little more male on it, but I think uh, both of us would agree it's worth a watch. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you'd like to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at night. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is provided by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mark. Later.